How's it going? This is Ty, and this is also episode 34 of the Fiction and Copy Decoded podcast. I'd like to welcome you, and I do. Before we get into it, I'd like to say we have a special guest today. And he, we talked about a lot of things about writing and life, and I really hope you enjoy it. Lee Rowley is a 10-year veteran sales copywriter, but for the first six of those years, he was pretty bad at his job. Then he stopped listening to the copywriting experts talk about how marketing must be done and instead spent 18 months developing copy branding, a connection-forging personal approach to brand marketing that nearly doubled his clients' conversions and revenues. Today, Lee helps luminaries, artists, coaches, speakers, authors, and many others craft their own powerful, persuasive brand marketing that empowers them to stand out, cultivate trust, and create their own tribe of loyal, ready-to-buy fans. All right, are you ready? Let's get to it. So, Lee, welcome. Oh, thank you, Ty. Appreciate the opportunity. How are you today? Doing great, doing great. Great. So, I think of people's bios and where they are in their careers when they come to see me and when I see them as the middle or the end of their journey. Would you mind taking us back to the beginning of how you discovered like copywriting or writing in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, so this may come as a shock to you, but growing up as a, a boy in Southern Ohio in the 1980s, uh, I didn't run around going, man, I really want to be a copywriter when I grow up. It just, it just never really just entered my mind. I, you know, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Okay. You know, I was like obsessed with like the Hulk Hogan's and the Brian Randy Macho Man Savage. My genetics just didn't comply. So, uh, you know, that was, that was a non-starter. Uh, so, but in college, got an art degree, realized that was useless, and spent 10 years in corporate America. Uh, specifically, I was a compliance manager for an insurance company, which is every bit as exciting as it sounds. <sighs> and, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I used to tell people I couldn't take it anymore and I had to strike out on my own, but the, the simple truth of it is, is that I quit giving a crap about my job and got fired because I was making stupid mistakes. So uh, the only thing that I really had to fall back on was words because the only other thing I'm really good at is making chili and that's not a good career option either. <laughs> so uh, I, I did some research, talked to some people, tried out some projects and thankfully it worked. Okay. That sounds pretty cool because I was thinking about the fact that I grew up, well, I grew up mostly in the 90s. I did spend some time in the 80s, but I did love wrestling as well when I was very young. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that was the heyday thing. You know, the sequin capes and the spandex types and the in the yeah. leaping off the top turnbuckle. That's right. Which, that's, that's big stuff to a 12-year-old. Yeah. All right, then. So how did that, I mean, you said you had bounced around, tried projects here and there, and our mutual contact who had initially reached out to you and me as well, said you had actually ended up at one point working for Russell Brunson at ClickFunnels. Uh, tell, yeah. me, tell me real quick, I, this is, I'm only going to say it this way because it'll come over audio. And was it like, oh, Russell Brunson or Russell Brunson? 
Well, you know, it was a bit of a surprise. I was actually about six years into my copywriting career at that point. And uh, so when, when he emailed me, yeah, there was a little bit of holy crap going on uh, because we all knew who he was, you know, like, like team and I. So, uh, but he, you know what, he's one of the most down to earth guys I've ever talked to. Just super chill. Um, and even I remember like last summer, uh, I, I sent him a couple of questions by email and he actually took the time to respond. He said, oh, by the way, I'm in Kenya on safari with my family. So if you want to discuss this in more detail, we can do that when I get back. I'm like, Russell Brunson takes time out of his safari to answer an email for somebody he considers, uh, you know, an acquaintance or friend or whatever. So I was like, I just thought that was really super cool. Uh, but, you know, I, I, as far as how he found me, that's lost to to memory and some other things that I won't talk about here. Ooh, mysterious. Okay. So, but yeah, he's a he's a great guy, and and uh, you know, but but after you get to work with so many of these people, you know, they're just regular people like us. They just happen to make a crap ton of money. Oh, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> minor difference. Yeah, quite quite minor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said you you said you have a team. I wanted to know from someone who has a team if if I heard you correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, I've gone through different iterations of, of the team. Um, at some points, I've had writers working with me uh, in, in an effort to to serve, uh, I want to say the lower end of the price point scale. Um, and that I, I did that for a couple of years and, and that was really while I was, uh, I, at about the six year mark, uh, at the time that I really connected with Russell and, and some of these other bigger names, uh, you know, I was going through something of a transition in what I was doing, uh, because I learned to write copy the same way that everybody else does. They tell you uh, handwrite copy or uh, the, the, the direct sales letters from the 70s and 80s, like the Dan Kennedys and the Gary Halberts and, and all these people who were actually wrote these, these eight, 10, 12 page sales letters that you would sit down and read at the coffee table because it was the 1970s and 80s or wasn't anything else to know. Uh, you know, but they tell you, they're like, sit down and print them out and take a notebook and hand copy them. And I was like, well, that's a great way to learn about hand cramps, but I'm not really sure that's how you learn. But anyway, I was like, okay, fine. That's what you do. Uh, And then, you know, I ran into all the people who were insisting that you write from templates, uh, you know, and just grab this template pack. You don't have to do really any work for your client. It's like filling out a Mad Libs, uh, another 80s reference there, where you just pop in the names and and change a few details here and there, and you just ship it off to the client and go here, good enough. And, you know, I just didn't know there was another way to do it. I was like, well, this is the industry. This is what you do. And it's just the longer I did it, the more excruciating it got. Because I was like, okay, if I'm basically giving the same copy to a dozen different clients with just minor alterations, sooner or later, it's going to get to the point where their prospects are reading this going, you know what? I think I've heard this bowl before. In fact, I even have a term for it, deja vu. I've heard this bowl before. 
<laughs> Classic. Yeah. So I was like, and it just, I got to the point where as I was reading sales letters and I was reading Facebook ads and stuff and just got to the same thing. It's like, how is it, how are you going to believe anything that anyone says when you've got 10 people making the same promise that they're the only ones that can keep it. Right. You know, uh, and, and that was like, I really had a breakdown over that. And, uh, you know, just on, on a personal note, uh, that was the same time when uh, my wife and I lost our only child. Uh, she was 10 years old and we lost her to a rare genetic illness. Um, and so like all of those things just came together and just imploded my entire life. I descended into alcoholism and it was just a big thing. But uh, so, you know, having some of these people challenge me to find, to, to work with it out a different way uh, because I did several clients with this idea of copy branding. I hadn't named it yet, but I was like, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we don't have to be so pushy. If we really get in and connect with our, the people we serve through our copy, then you don't have to be like, oh, look, only 17 copies of this ebook left. Grab yours now, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. you know and, and so that really developed over about a four year period. And I was, I'm really thankful for the clients that you know I went to and said I've got this idea can I try it out and they're like well yeah sure whatever you know if it doesn't work we'll do something else um, so all like I say all of those things uh, tie into what I'm doing now which is teaching people how to write copy that connects by by really diving into your own story by diving into your ideal client story and about finding the connection between the two because when that happens, you don't have to put false scarcity into your sales letters. You don't have to make big promises that you can't keep. You just make connections. Wow. Yeah, big long ramble. I said to it's, ramble, sorry. No, it's it's all right. I'm just saying that that seemed like a lot to deal with on the one hand. Well, you know, it sometimes it takes something that cataclysmic. Uh, especially for someone as obtuse as I am, uh, to really go, okay, you know what? I'm ready to make some changes. Okay. So, and that's what I uh, that's what I try to do for my clients that I serve, whether I'm writing for them or whether we're doing collaborative copy coaching. You know, the the end result is still the same. I I getting sales is important, but getting you loyal clients and customers who trust you and who are aligned with you and what you do is way more important. I'd rather keep one customer than get 10 and have all 10 of them go out the back door because they don't trust me anymore because I've made them promises in my copy that I couldn't fulfill. Hmm. Yeah. But Ty, do you watch webinars, Ty? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. How many of them do you how many of them do you get to the end and go, wow, I'm really glad I sat through that? Uh there there were a few of them, but some of them were a bit long, I must confess. <laughs> uh, you know, I kept seeing it over and over again. And maybe you've seen this. I don't maybe you're watching different webinars than I am, but it was like it'd be 20 minutes of fluff and testimonials and rah-rah, five minutes of fairly sketchy information and a half hour sales pitch for whatever it is they're selling. And it just got to the point where it just, I'd see a webinar invitation pop up 
or I'd see an ad for a webinar on Facebook and I'd just be like, there's no way, dude. I cannot sit through another one of these, this dog and pony show and then get to the end and realize there ain't no freaking pony. <laughs> it was merely a horseless carriage hauled it's, to the middle of no place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's the same thing. I mean, it's, you can only do that to people so many times before they're like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not calling for that again. Trust. I mean, it sounds like a broken record and it seems so simple, but as far as with, with what you're sharing and what I've been aware of, it seems like the, the keys to sales and like sales, quote unquote, and connecting with people, it's extremely simple. Here, here's my story. Here's your story. Here's a problem you have. It's like, can I help you or not? If right. I can help you? Yeah. We'll try to find somebody who can help you. If I can, okay, let's get started. Well, you know, it's simple, but it takes work. Yeah. Uh, you know, 80% of my work hours uh, as a copy brander goes to research. Uh, I only spend about 20% of my time writing. When I'm working with a client, I, I, I dive in. I, the first thing I do is I'm going to spend an hour or two on, on Skype with them, digging into their story and finding out their why. You know, again, I know that sounds like a cliche, but that's really what works now is, you know, why are you doing this and not one of 8 million other things? Something led you to this. Something led you to do what you're doing. And there are probably easier ways to make a living, right? Uh, you know, I know for writers, there's a heck of a lot easier ways to make a living. But, you know, it's not just about being able to sit around in fleece pajamas and, and you know, eat ice cream at 9 o'clock in the morning. There's, there are other reasons that you chose to do this. Um, so getting into that, and then I'm going into you know, Facebook groups for where the where people in that niche are talking about their problems, where they think marketers aren't listening. I'm looking up uh, Amazon, I get books on Amazon, and reading reviews to see what people like, and more importantly, what they don't like. You know, I'm going into all these channels where I can hear them talking about the problems, but they don't think I'm listening. See, that's why you know, focus. Yeah, I used to deal with focus groups. Uh, you know, with, with writing ads and you get 10 people in a room who tell you what they th think you want to hear because they want to sound smarter than they are. But if you're eavesdropping in social media, it's a completely different game because they don't know you're listening and they're a lot less guarded about what they say. I use those things in the copy that I write for my clients to essentially hold a mirror up to these people and say, you know what? I get you. I'll bet it feels like this, doesn't it? Have you ever had something like this happen? And then having them be able to read through that and go, this person gets me, this person knows me better than I know myself. Of course I want to give you my money. I trust you. You've taken the time to figure out what's really going on in my life. And not, not very many people will do that. They just come up with an avatar. They're like, okay, they're you know they're forty six, named Sue. They get two four, two point five kids and a dog named Sparky, you know. And basically, what I as a marketer think that my ideal client is, instead of finding out what's really going on in the world. All right, that's pretty awesome, actually. It seems to be working. <laughs> I, yeah, I have plenty of detractors, trust me. But uh, okay, 
Well, you know, it's any time that you throw something out there that's outside of the status quo, people are going to have a fit. I remember a while back, I'd, uh, I got into it with a guy on LinkedIn, and I generally, I don't make a habit of this, but occasionally I'll just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. So, you know, I'd say, all right, Lee's not being a kumbaya here. I'm, I'm not being a candle in the darkness. I'm being a flamethrower in a forest. But, uh, you know, so this guy LinkedIn, and, you know, he's, you know, uh, he starts out with we are experts in all capital letters and about six exclamation points after it and, you know we've done this and we've done that and look how big and awesome we are and don't you want to work with us so what what i what i get from that is tell 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 yeah let's say yeah look how important i am uh-huh and it, I, I, I'm, I want to impress you with how important I am. I, you know, the funny thing is, is that it was a cut and paste thing, and I knew it was cut and paste because he'd sent me the exact same message three different times before that. Oh. And I'd ignored it. So he said, like, oh, well, I'll cut and paste it again. Maybe that'll get him this time. And so I sent him, I, I just responded this time, and I said, you know, I said, thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate that you're so concerned about my success. That really is touching. Uh, you know, I'd like to return the favor. I'll tell you what, let's schedule a call and for no cost whatsoever, I will go in and I will help you write your copy for this message to be more engaging, to connect better and to actually get results. Knowing full well that I was just throwing a match in a, in a pool of gasoline. And, and he came back in complete sausage swinging mode with this whole, oh, I get 59% conversions and I don't, I could never work again if I didn't want to. And I'm so successful. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, yeah. and it's just like, oh. you know, your connection thing sucks and look at me and look at my knowing. Look, if you can sleep, if, first, if that's true, which I'm sure it's not, uh, you know, if you can sleep at night knowing you're a scumbag and knowing that you're manipulating people into you know, doing things that they don't want to do and that aren't going to serve them ultimately, fine. You know, that's not who I am and that's not who I serve. You know, I'm not going to make sales to, I'm not going to burn the relationship just to, just to get a sale on the ticker. It's just not who I am. And it's not who the people I serve are. Wow. Yeah, it, it seems to me that's, that's wild. It just seems to me that it, it's like, oh, I, he probably has thousands of connections that maybe don't know or maybe don't even care about them, that they're just there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, you, can't, you can't fix everybody. All you can do is just, you know, hold your own torch high, whatever that happens to be, and yep. not worry about what anybody else says about it. So. You know, I'd say that, that when it comes to business, whether you're a writer or anything else, that, you know, I, I operate on the principle that, one, you work with what you got. Two, what you got is uniquely brilliant. I have yet to find a client that if they're really willing to open up and do the hard work, doesn't have a compelling story that drives their success. It's, it's never happened. I've had people that, that are afraid of their stories. I've had people that won't let down their walls to allow those stories to surface. But I've never found someone who's genuinely found that story and not been ultimately successful with it if they're just willing to say, you know what, this is my thing, this is my torch, and I'm going to carry it no matter what anybody has to say.
That's that's really cool. I'm only saying that because of the fact that, well, not because it agrees with me, which it does, mm-hmm. but that it's so, it's, it's hard to dig that out sometimes because some parts of it, I think some people's, some people's stories to them are so, so painful or so ugly even to them in their own eyes that they don't want anybody else to see it because they don't want to talk about it or deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing. Well, like the hero's journey, but it's not so much that as people relate to other people's pain because everybody has secrets or maybe thinks they do that they don't want anybody to know about because they feel guilty or ashamed or it's something they had to overcome or they're in process of overcoming that and they don't want anybody to see that struggle behind the scenes and because everybody will see them as not perfect. Well, everybody's, mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's not perfect behind the scenes, wondering why everybody is so perfect in front of the scene. When everybody, <laughs> everybody's really just the same, wondering about everybody else when people are mostly all the same. It's, you know what, you hit the nail on the head. I, there are so many marketers, and I work with a lot of coaches. Uh, most of them are kind of straddling that business slash lifestyle space. So they're like, they're targeting the people who are like basically working their butts off and they're making okay money, but they don't have any time to spend with their kids and their family and no me time and so forth and so on. But, you know, a lot of these coaches, they do. They want to go in and they're like, I can't tell my story until I've fully got my stuff together. You know, I've got to, I've got to figure it all out and then I can reveal what I went through because that's the formula. You know, if you read any of these, uh, you know, the, the marketers, the coaches, it's all, you know, uh, you know, I didn't start out this way. I, I started, you know, I was at the bottom and I was broke and nobody liked me and my armpit smelled really bad and my hair was frizzy and it was just terrible and there was no way out. And then finally I saw the light and then I just fixed everything and now I'm perfect and I'm here to show you your way to show you your way to utopia too. And it just, it's another one of those things that I think we've heard so many freaking times that it's like, uh, okay, this again. And I'm finding that people relate more to vulnerability. They relate more to imperfection. Uh, they relate more to someone who's able to say, here's what I've learned. I haven't figured it all out yet. And I never will because life is a journey and a learning process. But you know what? Maybe I can help you out with some of the things that I've already been through and kind of worked my way through and help you find your way through it too. There's a huge difference. It's a subtle shift, but a big difference. To from I need to be able to help everybody to I may be able to help somebody, a few people. Excellent. Yes, that's that's absolutely true. I was guilty early in my career, you know, for the first six years because, you know, I was doing the templated thing. It was basically, I was having to charge prices so low for that one, because that was what the market would bear in that sector of the copywriting industry. And two, because I had this belief that I wasn't worth anymore. I actually had a, you know, when I first started out, I, I worked for a guy who referred to uh, himself as the McDonald's of copywriting. And, you know, I, I, did some some white labeling work for this guy back when I had no self-respect. Uh, and <laughs> it just went to call, you know, now looking back, calling yourself, and, you know, and he would say things like, look, 
don't ever think you're anything special. There's a thousand people out there who can do exactly what you do. Uh, and it's just, you know, you're all about just good enough. And, I, and like that stuck with me for years. And, you know, I'm sure he didn't mean for it to. That was just what he believed. And for I allowed myself to adopt that belief. But you know what? I was trying to serve everybody just so I could make bank. You know, I, I, it'd be like, well, you know, somebody went, you know, real estate, investing. Uh, I wrote a freaking sales page about a special kind of condom. I mean, you know, Bitcoin, crypto, I still have no flipping clue what cryptocurrency really is. And I've written like a dozen sales pages on it back like wow. <laughs> eight or nine years ago. And it's just like, well, you just, okay, we'll, we'll pretend like we know what we're talking about. So, I mean, I can do all these niches and it just, I really wasn't serving anybody effectively. You know, I, I'm just giving people just good enough. And transitioning to copy branding has allowed me to define who I serve and defining who I serve has allowed me to get really, really good at it. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, when you ask the difference between, you know, what's the difference between a, a $300 copywriter and a $10,000 copywriter, that's it. A $10,000 copywriter is really, really good at working for a few people. And I suspect that that's probably the same in, in a lot of the niches where we're. Yeah. I know some guys who charge like a lot. I won't go into numbers. I mean, they didn't tell me not to reveal anything, but mm -hmm. they charge a lot and they don't, there is one guy in particular. He doesn't work in very many industries. Mm -hmm. Well, he, he primarily works in a couple and there are some that he also works in, but primarily I think it's about two. It's not very widespread. It's just hard to be, it's almost impossible to be effective in, you know, at serving multiple types of clients or multiple types of industries. Um, you know, I do have a, a couple of clients that are outside of uh, the coaching uh, and business sphere or, you know, that, that sort of realm. Uh, but they're just people that I really dig getting along with. And, you know, they're the ones that are always, if I got something new, I want to try They're like, yeah, sure. It'll work. I know it'll work. So, you know, uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it, for the most part, it's just knowing what you're really good at and what you're passionate about, who you're passionate about serving and connecting the two, because I mean, look, you know, it's, we've all been really, really good at things that we don't like doing. You know, I know I have, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it doesn't make it being really good at it. doesn't make it any better. It just, you know, it just means maybe you get paid more for it. Or it doesn't make you like it anymore. No, that's true. Yeah. You cannot, for, I, I've never been able to force myself to like, you know, doing something that I inherently dislike to begin with. Uh, real estate and real estate and investing sales copy. Nah, no, no, no. I'd rather, I'd rather poke my eyeballs out. And yet there are other people who would probably eat, sleep, and breathe that kind of copy, and they just love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, and those are some of my favorite people because then when I get somebody coming in the door wanting that, I don't have to tell them no. I can go, let me introduce you to. Yeah, exactly. Win-win for everybody. Yeah. So uh, I'd, I'd say that, you know, developing a, a network, and being generous 
with the people in that network is a huge thing. It's a game changer. It takes time. It takes work. It's, you know, again, it's a thing that most people won't bother doing, but the people who will, man, the, the results are just phenomenal. And it's, it's a great way to never have to worry about where your work's coming from again. Yeah. I was actually getting a network set up myself with different types of people who specialize in different stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was, I was going to talk to you about that if you had wanted to talk about that a little later. Okay. Because we'd have to, you know, get, get clear on specifics and things like that. We could tell me what qualities to look for and things like that. If you wanted to partner up in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. I'm always open for that. And, and, and I encourage listeners to do that as well. And masterminds. I never believed in masterminds until this year, but that has fueled my growth more than just about anything else in the last four years is just having uh, a group of, well, I've got three other people uh, and it's, um, you know, well, we jump on zoom once every two weeks, it's no holds barred, man. It's, there's no, you know, there's no mincing words. There's no sparing feelings. If you ask for feedback, you gonna get feedback and it's probably going to hurt. <laughs> in, the vein you know of, in the vein of this sucks and here's why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Here's what you're doing wrong. You, you know, yeah. So, you know, uh, my business partner and I do a, a, a show every week called Copy That Speaks, um, where we bring on business owners and we'll, you know, hear their stories while I'm working on like a tagline or a course name or whatever for them. And uh, uh, my, my business partner is a big fan of what we call tchotchkes, you know, the you know statues and just random you know, his, his half of the set looked like a garage sale vomited, but <laughs> you know, so he loves it, man. And he's just like, he's into it. And this represents this and that represents that. And, 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 you know, we asked one of my mastermind guys, you know, it's just like, what do you, you know, what, what can we do to improve? And he was just like, you want me to be honest? And of course I want you to be honest. Just burn that set down and start over. <laughs> Basically just, <laughs> Look, dude, it's creepy. I think he said you guys look like you're hiding bodies back there. Um, it was just, yeah, he was just no punches pulled in. Man, that was, uh, it, it hurt uh, for about two days. And then we was like, all right, you know, let's, let's, let's tidy up the set. And it's been tremendous for viewership and retention, just having people subscribing, having people engaging, just because they can focus on what rather than all the bobbles hanging around the set. Okay. That reminds me of uh, a rather famous copywriter and business owner who always said that he conducts initial meetings with clients audio only. So they okay. can concentrate on what they are saying. I, I believe it was rather than having to see them, not that he doesn't want to see them, but that it's easier to focus on the ideas that they and the projects and things that they work on together when he can just concentrate on hearing them. That right. does have a lot of value to it. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I dig that. That's something I, might, I may have to give it a try. Um, I've always kind of just deferred to the, to the client's preferences, but there's a, there's some merit to that. I think. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, it was, that was in uh, Bob Bly's newsletter. 
Oh, that was Bob Bly. Okay. I, I think so. It's been, yeah. that was a long time ago. Cause I mean, he writes one every day and he's has been doing for, uh, I don't know, probably years and years. So I think mm-hmm. the eighties <laughs> or like nineties, early nineties. It's been a while. Oh, that's a great tip. It is. It is. Absolutely. If, if I have it correct, of course, it's the strange thing as maybe you feel this way too, that I sometimes lose track of things because there is so much information I'm trying to either sort through or absorb or bounce ideas off of on a daily basis that sometimes it all gets shaken around in there. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it can, it's overwhelming. I did say, see something about it. I think people are, the average person seeing something like 600 ads a day or some nonsense like that. Oh. Now with the event of social media, which is still a shock to me having grown up with three channels, sometimes four if the wind's blowing the right direction. <laughs> on TV, right? And, and if a fourth one would be just super fuzzy too. That's where you'd watch wrestling, you know, in between the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think, well, my, my friends and I, my peers and I, I might say, are probably one of the last bunch of people who know what a physical card catalog is used for. <laughs> me, me and my peer bunch because when I was when I was the age to be in school at the time I needed to use one the internet was just like barely a thing mm-hmm. just barely so there's value in that as well where it's all that in, in-person connection and things like that we have to physically do something and physically go somewhere and I think as far as a society, not to get off topic, with online everything, that, that personal connection that we need so badly and so desperately sometimes becomes lost or kind of fuzzy, like that fourth channel sometimes. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have to wonder about generations who have never had non-access to, to the internet, so to speak. You know, I've never lived without it. I mean, how does that... Uh, well, that, yeah, that's a topic for another time. But uh, you know, yes. I do often wonder how that uh, how that pans out in terms of in terms of personality development and just overall psychological health yeah. when your entire life has been staring at a phone to connect with other people. Yeah. Well, okay. that's that's of interest to me, but I'm not. Yeah. Not con- as a as someone that I once worked with said he wasn't credentialed enough to have that discussion, and neither am I. <laughs> yeah, it's a topic. It's a topic for greater minds than mine. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We, we could talk about it if you wanted to be on again at some other time. We could yeah, absolutely riff on that if you want. Yep. Okay. Well, if there's nothing else, I don't think I have to ask you any more questions because we talked about finding out who you serve and playing to your strengths and building trust and figuring out if you could help, actually help people, and if you can figure out how and why and figure out how they help their people and help them figure that out. So there's nothing else. I think that will be close to the end. Well, very good. Well, Ty, I appreciate it again. I I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for letting me ramble and, uh, you know, I I look forward to coming back and talking about something uh, else off topic. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I, I got to ask, just so the listeners know, yes, if they can find you online somewhere in case they want to talk to you or just 
invite you to talk to them. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, uh, the hub is really easy to www.leroly.com. Uh, as far as social media, I'm mostly an Instagram guy these days. So that's Instagram, the Lee Rowley. Uh, and I won't bother giving my website, uh, or my, excuse me, my email address because one, it's on my website and two, uh, it's impossibly long. So I don't want you to have <laughs> okay. to write. Yeah. So LeeRoley.com yep. and Instagram at the Lee Rowley. Uh, that's right. Which is pretty cool. Well, you know, I found out there's this guy named Lee Rowley who's apparently a politician somewhere in England, and you know, I, 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 I had to send him threats just to get the URL. Man, he was just he was he was uh, tying up my URL. So, oh, we, we took care of him. <gasps> careful, I'm kidding. Careful. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, we gotta. Oh, that's society. That's something. <laughs> that's something else we could talk about. I would talk about that with my brother or talk about with, uh, with other podcasters. That's another set of craziness. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'd love to, I, I'll, I'll gripe about just about anything. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll be the end of this episode. I think so. That'll be the end of this episode. I appreciate you guys hanging out. To learn more about the blog this podcast is connected to, you can visit it at fictionandcopydecoded.wordpress.com. You can learn about me there. You can also learn about me at my copywriting samples website, which is timealcopywriting.yolasite.com. Yolasite is one word. It's Y-O-L-A-S-I-T-E.com. And you can also support this podcast. Number one way to do that is by commenting, sharing, and subscribing to it wherever you listen to it, whether that's on Google Play, iTunes, or some other platform. You can also become a monthly contributor if you'd like to do that. For 99 cents a month, you'll get my thanks, which would be totally awesome, especially since I'm planning to do that in each episode where I have monthly contributors. For the next level, I think it's $4.99 a month. I'll give you part of the description of the show for your business or whatever you're, else you're looking to promote. Go to if you have a service business or product business or what have you like that. And for $9.99, I'll plan to give you like a 30 to second to one minute ad in the show itself. So I'll need to learn about your business and who you serve and all kinds of neat stuff. But I'm cool with that if you are. So if you've got a business to promote, that's awesome. Anyway, you can get in touch with me on that if you'd like. Otherwise, we will catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.